Hello there. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm well. You made it on. I did. <laughs> you hearing me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay. Thank you for joining me. No problem at all. Thank you. And I know you got to work tonight, so I won't keep you long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey everybody, it is now time for Talks with Net, and thank you for joining me on another episode. And on tonight's episode, I have my friend, detective, and realtor, Timothy Heath, on the line. What's going on? Not much. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long day, but it's been good. <laughs> Tell me about it. We, we had snow, and then I look out, and it's gone. Yeah. That's, that's Indiana. <laughs> yeah, about Indiana. four seasons. <laughs> right. I looked out. I said, oh, okay, well, let me go change clothes again, because um, <laughs> <laughs> this is not how it was this morning. But nah. Um, so I wanted to bring you on so we could talk about, you know, being a detective and also being a realtor and how you make all of that work together. Well, it's it's that's uh it's pretty much about time management, but um as far as being a detective, um it's challenging at times. Uh-huh. Uh as you know, um summertime is our our plate is usually full. Right. You got a lot going on, you know. Hate to say it, but people still in killing, you know. Yeah. So it's a little bit busier. Um uh being a detective, it helps you use your brain a little bit more than the when I was in patrol. You uh-huh. know, you get to follow cases through and uh, you know, it makes you feel fulfilled sometimes, you know. When you put all this this technology together, um and helped you build a story around um, a certain incident that occurred. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people think as detectives, you know, we watch the first 48. We see what they do on TV, but compared to how it is, like, really, in your hometown in real life, it's different. It's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, the stuff that y'all have to go through. Like, how, how long have you been on um, Well, how long have you been on the force, period? Uh, I've been on the force for eight years. And how long have you been a detective? I've been a detective for almost four years. Oh, that's good. Yep. What made you go out for that role? Uh, which role? Uh, being a police officer in particular or being a detective? Let's do both. What made you want to become a police officer? Uh, it's going to sound corny, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, you know, um... Growing up, I grew up majority of my life in Glen Park. Okay. And uh, as a kid, 13, 14, would dribble up and down the street with, you know, basketballs. Uh, all of us in basketball shorts, getting ready to go to basketball courts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had some police officers, not going to name the department, <laughs> but you probably can tell which department it is. <laughs> uh, they would pull us over and put us our face down on hot cars. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that no teenager should have to experience that, especially when we're clearly going to play basketball. You know, we yeah. had, it was it was to the point that we already knew. It was like a routine. We seen them come up and hit the, you know, you know that sound, whoop, whoop. Yep. <laughs> you hear that? Everybody stopped and you know to assume a position, you know? So 
and it was always a cop that didn't look like me. Yeah. So yeah. that's what made me want to be a police officer, you know, to have kids, teenagers that look like me have a different face to look at, you know, uh, and to know that it's okay uh, to come to me instead of run from me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big reason why. And that you said, I heard you say it was corny and it's actually not corny because everything that you said, <laughs> it's like so true, especially in what we're going through in today's world, you know, with all the police and brutality and stuff. So yeah. we, it's, and it's still going on. It's sad to say, but every cop is, you know, everybody's yeah. trying to look at these, the good cops, oh, well, they don't, they're, but they're not like the bad cops. We have some good cops out there. <laughs> Yeah, they put us all in the same category. And it's just like any job. It's bad apples in any job you have. Right. You know? So, you know, it just kind of put everybody in the same category since we hold a certain position of power. So, what can we do? Being at that age and you getting pulled over like that and them putting y'all face down on the cars, you know, how did that feel? Like, how did that make you feel? It's demoralizing, you know. It's, you know, as a kid, like I said, I, I don't think any teenager should have to experience that uh, when it's obvious what you're going to do. But, you know, this day and age, uh, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, it's a catch-22. Like, you know, because some teenagers are capable of things that they were assuming we were doing, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. It's a different age now, man. Uh, respect's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had parents back then that were actually parents. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that viral video going around of the the teacher calling uh, a parent and a parent like, uh, isn't that your job to uh, discipline my kid, basically, you know? Wow. And back then, you know, we had parents... I was like, hey, give me a paddle. Just don't call my mama. You know what I'm <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, we wow. live in that world now. And it's crazy that we do live in that world. It's it's sad because it's not like it's like they're targeting our black man, you know. Yeah. So with your being a police officer, do you feel like that has like th- does that take a toll on you with everything that's been going on? Or how do you able to cope with that? Like seeing how a lot of stuff that's been going on, especially with the whole George Floyd case. How do you feel about that? Um, right is right is wrong. Is wrong. Uh, it makes, I think I'm offended more because I'm like, you know, when I became a police officer, we had to go to the police academy. Right. And we had to do a lot in the police academy. You know, we had to get out of that space of being comfortable and push ourselves to the limit to achieve our goal and excuse my friends but uh can we curse on here yes sir you can. It, it's, <laughs> it's like uh you shit on our career by doing some messed up stuff you know this is something not far to do and hard to be and i achieved my goal and it wasn't easy you know and somebody could just go shit on my career yeah you know so it it, it offended me more i don't know it's a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, police or nothing. But I'm I'm screaming that, too. Like, that police officer ain't shit, you know? So, right. Yeah, and it definitely makes me feel a little, you know, like, you know, this is my career. I, I went hard for this, and you just take it for granted. 
And like when that when that situation happened, like I heard a lot of police officers were saying they didn't teach us that in training. Like, what is you doing? That exactly. wasn't how we was taught in training. So I feel what you're saying. That did make a lot of police officers feel some type of way because it's like now you making us look like we we're the bad ones and we're not because of what you did. Exactly. Exactly. So what made you so from coming from even though it's still the police, what made you want to switch roles to become a detective? Um as in patrol, you know, you you catch and release. It was pretty much that's that's it. You catch somebody doing something wrong, you book them, and you're done with it, you know. And that was a little it was getting kind of boring to me because I'm like, uh, I'm not trying to chew my own horn, but I'm a pretty smart guy and I'm like, I wanna use my brain a little more. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> right. So Right. Um, it was I felt like I exhausted that career but at mm. the same time it was some inner things going on too you know uh, without saying too much about, about that it be, came to be unsafe to be a patrolman uh, mm. on the shift I was on you know Wow. so, so it, it kind of detoured me kind of made me not want to be a police officer and then one um one of my uh, administrators at the time came to me and presented the opportunity and I was like, you know, I don't want to get stuck over there because, you know, people usually, you know, you go to a different division, they get stuck over there and for the rest of their career. Mm-hmm. And they assured me, they were like, hey, if you go over there, you don't like it, I'll let you go back. I'm like, okay, cool. I went over there and honestly, I love it. That's good. That's good. You loving what you do. Yeah. You love it's a it's a difference too. So that's Absolutely. good. That's good. Do you so even though you're a detective now, do you still like have some days like you know how how can I put it? You get that itch to go back to patrol or something? Yeah. Yeah, all the time, all the time. But you know what? <laughs> uh I have side jobs. I'm gonna name mm-hmm. one in particular. Uh I'm gonna just give the initials. <laughs> I think I know uh, what you're talking about, bro. The issue is U Y W. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, it's it's um it's close to a certain area, so we get certain kind of people to come in, and you know they give you that feel of being on the street again. So oh. I don't even need to go back to patrol to feel that you know to feel that void you know what I mean so I have my my itch sometimes but that usually feels it so I'm good on patrol right now <laughs> <laughs> so your um family and friends how do they feel about you being you know on and being in law enforcement period how do they feel about that well I can't speak for how they feel but how I feel like I'm treated by them is the same and mm-hmm. we've had these talks man they was like you know, I've been around friends. They're like, oh, man, you, you friends with the police of an outside friend is stating to one of my friends. Right. Like, man, they're like, Tim? Tim is Tim, man. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, never, I never switched up. I'm still me. Yeah. So, yeah. And most of my friends know that, you know. Just don't, they, they know what kind of person I am. And I think that's it's a good thing to establish, you know, what you allow in your life and the quality of people in your life and that's beyond just being a police officer yeah yeah I know where you're coming from because especially when me working in corrections 
like I see what you guys deal with on an everyday basis. I see the people that you deal with, and then with me, with me working in corrections, I'm like, damn, these the niggas that ain't got sentenced, and I gotta deal with them now. Like, so I see what my family <laughs> and friends be dealing with on an everyday basis and stuff. I'm like, cause these people are oh, crazy. Sorry. No, you're fine. TV that came up a little bit. Let me turn this. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> It's one of those Netflix keep watching and then they go with the preview. Hey, you're good. You're good. We talk yeah. about every we don't care. We talk about everything on here. We good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Just like I said, that one topic you and Portia was talking about. Yeah, we making that into a podcast too. <laughs> we definitely gonna talk about that. Copy that. That's cool. But but I see what y'all what y'all go through. And I and I to experience it for myself to be in the corrections, I'm like Oh, so this is what they got to mm-hmm. deal with and stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, these people are crazy. Yeah. They are legit crazy. I don't know if you knew, but I, I worked in corrections too prior to being a police officer. Oh. Yep. Three oh. and a half years. How did you like it? Oh. Oh. Yeah, these days, but it's like, like a giant daycare. It adults. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, on that note, I feel like, you know, um, where I was at, I felt like it wasn't tough enough. Really? And, yeah, because when I say tough enough, I mean on the people that are going to jail. Because where I was at, it's like literally a, a big daycare. They had big screen TVs, iPads, and stuff like that. Yeah. Who's, who's going to miss home if they still have access to it and... You know, some places like prisons, you can make more money there than you can make at home. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like, it, is it is it a, <laughs> a correctional facility so you can change your life? Some right. people get comfortable. You know what I'm saying? If it were me, I cut out. Once you cut off outside life mm-hmm. and contact with the world and these people that's been in there for a few years um, and then they get out and they're on the street again and feel like, they're lost within mm-hmm. years, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When you when you feel like you've lost years, yep. I feel like then you're gonna be like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't even know this world anymore. Yeah. But they're keeping up with the trends. They're keeping up with the era. And they yeah. go out. They get out and pick up where they left off. You know what I'm saying? So that's uh, just my opinion on that. A few of them that I have conversations with, um, they say a lot of them. To be honest with you, was like tell me like. I'm scared to go back out because he was like, I don't know how society is now. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm, he was like, I've been locked down for 20 years. I'm scared to go back out now. Sometimes, uh, prison and jail uh, save people's lives. Honestly, yeah, because it's, it's people you know they they've done stuff to people, and as soon as they get out, not everybody, but as soon as they get out, um, they get killed. You know, so yeah. it, it saves lives sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know what I hate to see is like these young, young guys, like these 19-year-olds, these 20-year-olds. It's like, mm-hmm. you didn't win and did what you did. Now you in here doing like almost 10 or 15 years. Like you 18, 19 yeah. years old. Really? Throwing away your life. And most of that, uh, I can't say all of it, but most of that is because you don't have the parents, the authority figure anymore. You these kids raising kids and you know it don't even have to be kids raising kids it's just it's no morals or anything anymore you know mm-hmm. 
you don't have respect anymore. When I was coming up, the drug dealers, you know, they were buying kids ice cream from the ice cream truck and say, hey, don't step on Miss Gladys' grass mm-hmm. and respect, respect, respect Miss Gladys and stuff like that. It was still a respect thing. And now these young guys, they shoot, shoot your, your grandmother, your child, you know, yeah. your sister, your brother. They don't yeah. care. Yeah. It's like every time you turn around now, it's like back in the day when we was growing up, women and kids was off limits. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. If you wasn't, if you didn't have anything to do with the gangs, you mm-hmm. wasn't involved. They didn't involve you. You know what I'm saying? But now these these guys, they'll they'll steal your kid. Yeah. Like, hey, you, I want you or your kids dying. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's crazy now. It is crazy. It's they don't so, care about anything. They really don't because it's it's like now every time you turn on the news, all you hear about is a shooting and it's a child involved. Mm-hmm. And well, not too long ago, it was like a three-year-old, but I, I mean, that was an accidental thing. But I heard still. about that. But still, yeah. yeah. But still, because it's like you, whoever the adult was, you should have made sure that was put up or whatever the case was. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then, and then not too long ago, another one, like what, almost two weeks ago, a three-year-old shot his two-year-old brother. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is it starting to be so common? Like, what is the problem? Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. It's sad. And these kids, Very. these are three-year-olds, two-year-olds. They don't know what they're doing. None at all, you know, at all. And it's it's sad to hear. It really is. Like one of I was um, talking to somebody and we was talking about that. I was like, that three year old don't know he killed his little brother. He don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. He they he he's not gonna know until he gets a little bit older. And if they decide to tell him and stuff, mm-hmm. he didn't even know how to feel. He right. just know, you know, he's like, what? You know, kids they they'll smile until they see your face and yeah. see your emotions change. And then you know, how many times you see a kid they fall. And they be like, "Oh, you okay?" And mm-hmm. so most of the time, they'll get up. But you know, when you make a big fuss, like, "Oh my God!" That's yeah, when the kids start to cry. <laughs> that's <know>? true. <laughs> that's true. Because <laughs> you're yeah. right about that. When they do, like, you know, us black people, when they do fall, we be like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, don't look at them. <laughs> don't yep. even look at them." <laughs> yep. And they get up like nothing happened. As soon as <laughs> right. you make a reaction, they be like, ah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they like no nah, I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to feel this way <laughs> right right especially when they little boys be like he's a boy Let, he gonna fall he'll be alright yeah he'll be alright absolutely but <laughs> I think um do you think do you think a change is gonna come uh hopeful thinking um yes but it can be done just by uh, it, it got to be done by a, a huge group. Yeah. Uh, and um, what's I'm doing a reference. Uh, what's his name? Charleston White or something like that. You, mm-hmm. you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's a real ignorant dude, right? Yeah. But his <laughs> latest, he just had like a um an interview. I forgot the NFL football player, ex football player. Mm-hmm. He he has a um. Uh, interview with him and uh, in the interview they was like hey man uh, you know people are you know critiquing your approach and he's like they critiquing my approach 
You know, you got people on songs say, "Hey, I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna stick my thumb in a butt," you right? Know what I'm and, right. And stuff like that. And then you, he was like, "You worried about my approach?" To summarize it, he was like, "You know, people are worried about my approach, but when I was going in the Supreme Court, changing laws and stuff in the suit and tie, people wasn't seeing me mm-hmm. or they wasn't hearing me." But he was like, "When I start talking like an ignorant ass nigga, mm-hmm. y'all seeing me now." He said, "Checkmate." Yep. But said. But now that he's like, now that I got your attention, this is stuff we need to worry about. And he started going on with stuff that really matters. But look what he had to do to get attention. When he was doing good, nobody really seen him. But when he caused controversy, yeah, every all eyes was on him. They got something you know to saying? say. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and he was like, you know what happened to justice for George Floyd? Are we not? Um, kneeling anymore uh, so we can ban the NFL and stuff like that you know what I mean right. it's like we get concerned about something and we forget Yeah, you know what I mean so yeah. to to make a change I think we all gotta stay focused and stick to committing yeah. to change you know what I'm saying so I don't I, think it'll just happen with with us just forgetting the next week you know what I mean right it's all about bridging that gap with the um, community. Mm-hmm. And it takes every age group. It's not just the young guys. It's not just the old guys or girls. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's everybody. It's, it's everybody. everybody. Like, we got we got to come together. It's like, because th- think about it. They already against us. Why should we be against each other? We got to come exactly. together as a black community. I'm going to keep it real with you. As a black community, we need to come together. And, and man, I tell everybody this: we the only race that don't. You get people from Middle Eastern and um, you know uh, Hispanic people. They come over here. The Middle East people come over here, send their money back home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're all the whole family are working a gas station. Not saying there's the only gas station, but that's just an example. They yeah. come in. The whole family work for that gas station. Mm-hmm. Or how many Dunkin' Donuts you see? Uh, number of Middle Eastern people. Yeah, they they put their whole family into that business until so they're able to make other Dunkin' Donuts, make other gas stations, and they still send the money home. Yeah. Mexicans, the whole family work, you know what I'm saying, and they work diligently. You know what I'm saying? Like it's most of most of the jobs that people don't want, they working. You right. They do it well. Yep. You know, You're and right. send money back to their people. Us, we're like crabs in a barrel. We pull each other down. You'll see somebody doing good, like, oh, man, anybody can do that. You know what I'm saying? Instead of uplifting them, like, hey, man, keep grinding. Right. You know what I'm saying? We the only race that do that. You know? And And it's it's, sad. It's very sad. It's like crabs in a bucket, for real. And that's that whole thing, like, with the whole Black Lives Matter. with the whole George Floyd situation. I'm like, y'all screaming this. But when it's a black man killing another black man, where's the protest then? Absolutely. And it's and it's honestly it's more that than them killing us. Hate to yeah. say it. Yeah. But it is. It is. <laughs> like it, it gotta start it gotta start within us before we begin to sprout out. You know what I'm saying? We can't scream, oh black lives matter then you go kill your brother then. <laughs> like Absolutely. And people you, overlook that. Like because they so we so mad at what others done to us, which is the it's valid to have that feeling, but you you still gotta correct you gotta correct it all the way around. You just can't pick one group and say, "Hey, our lives matter." 
Black Lives Matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Our lives yeah. do matter. And don't get me wrong, they had a great message behind that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you gotta, if you're gonna say it, you can't be a hypocrite about it. You know right. what I'm saying? So. Right. I know when I'm at work, like a lot of the, the guys that um, that's on my dorm and stuff, they be like, oh, you 12, you 12. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and you know I, what? I'm, I'm like, yep, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, in a, in the workforce, I'm sure you probably dealt with it too. Uh, when you got different races and stuff like that, uh, what's perfect example? The Black Lives Matter thing. Uh, I had one um, coworker. He was uh, in a supervisor position, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had to do certain things for, you know, uh, like riot protection and stuff like that for the pro- for the protests. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "Man, here goes this Black Lives Matter shit." Of course, he was of the of another race, and he was wow. like, "Why they always say Black Lives Matter? All lives matter." And you know, the majority of the people in our roll call were white. I think I was maybe, if not the only one, maybe one other black person. Wow! And I and I'm like, you know what? I, he's my supervisor, so I gotta try to say something. In a way that I won't get suspended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, exactly. so, but it made me mad and it, it kind of pissed me Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It, it kind of pissed me off. So I was like, yeah. I was like, you're a pretty smart guy. I'm like, you know what it means when it says Black Lives Matter. It's not saying that other lives don't matter. It's saying that we're treated like ours don't. Yeah. So when people say uh, all lives matter, it's just like a spit in the face. Why? Why don't you just say, yes, your life do matter? You know what I mean? Exactly. Why is it always a pushback? You know, when they had that, uh, what is that, stand for Vegas and something like that? When they I had, they think had so. Yeah, so everybody say, yeah, stand for Vegas. They didn't say, hey, no, hey, what about Gary? No, they stood with Vegas. Yep. So why push back when we talking about Black Lives Matter? Just say, hey, your life do matter. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like, no, all lives matter. And I don't like that. Yeah, I had a situation at work with one of um, with one of the guys and him and my my one of my sergeants because one of my sergeants is white and a young kid. One of the guys, nineteen twenty. You base you in there doing something that you ain't supposed to be doing, so you getting mad at him because he coming at you. But you, what you was doing, you wasn't supposed to be doing. Right. So then after the sergeant left, I went and talked to him. I'm like, hey man, what's up with that? Why would you do that? Man, he racist. He how is he racist? Mm-hmm. I said, how is he racist? I like because you got caught doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing. That's your fault, not quick, his. I was like, don't do that. Race card. I like, said, that's what I said. Quick. I said, don't do that. <laughs> I said, don't mm-hmm. do the race card. I said, don't do that because you mad at him because he caught you with something. Yeah. Now all of a sudden he racist. I said, how? He had no accountability. Yeah, no accountability. Oh my God! I say that all the time. I say that all the time. These guys do not know how to hold accountability for themselves. They always try to place the blame on other people. Absolutely. And I be looking at them like, "But you did what you did. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, are you serious right now, ma'am, ma'am, Miss?" But, but it's not even no you did what you did I, and I said it when are you going to take accountability for what you did 
but I ain't do nothing. I see that's the problem right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. I just said. You know, people when never he... want to see things from another point of view. They just want it from their point of view, and that's it. That's it. Right. You know? Right. So, we talked about you being a detective. We talked about you becoming a police officer. Let's switch over and let's talk about what made you get into real estate. You being a detective all these few years, a police officer, what came across like, I want to do something else. I want to add something else. The so, money. No, I'm not. I'm just playing. I ain't mad at <laughs> No, well, that was, uh, <laughs> that was, uh, that was one of the reasons, but, uh, uh, I just want to help people find, you know, um, a beautiful house that they can call theirs. And, you know, uh, it is the money, too. It, it yeah. really is. Because um, I feel like we're playing catch up. Uh, yeah. Because real estate has always been the game. Uh-huh. It's always been the game. Like, if you talk to a lawyer or a doctor, any person that's successful that has a lot of money, I guarantee they own property, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's been the game, and we're just catching up. We're just finding out, and uh, you know it's profitable. It's very, it's it's lucrative, and I'm just trying to get my foot in the door because I want to. Like after I retire, mm-hmm. I want to take my my wife and kids yeah. to a trip and not have to worry about finances. You know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. Not, when I say worry about finances, like hey man, we got a penny pinch while we're trying to enjoy ourselves. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to go somewhere and have a good time. I'm like, hey, let's do this and not second guess it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I feel like um, being in real estate, that's the way to do it. You know what I mean? So when I retire, I'm going to retire at a young age. I'm going to retire at 45. Really? At 40, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I started policing in, when I was 25. So the 20 years, oh. uh, I'll be 45. Okay. You know what I mean? And you know, you can't touch that pension until you get like 59 and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. So by, by my retirement, I got 12 years left. Okay. By the time I retire, I want to own several houses and flip several houses <clears throat> so that when I retire, I'll be collecting money without doing anything. I'll be making money in my sleep. That's good. So that's the goal behind that, that. That's good. That's good. Like when you go to, you know, show people houses, like the ones that, you know, is about to buy the house. Do you disclose that you're a detective or you're in law enforcement or you leave that part off? Um, it depends. Sometimes, most times I, I disclose I'm a police officer because it, it gives a sense of security, especially when you're showing in not uh, a great neighborhood and it's like, you know how dark it gets early now around here. Right. So right. I'm, like, hey, I'm a police officer, so you ain't got to worry about nothing. I stay carried. You yeah, know? that is that is scary. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, I tell people that I'm like, hey, I got us. You know, we we good. So, uh, but yeah, most people I, I let them know my schedule. Like, hey, I do have a primary job. Sometimes I don't disclose that I'm a police officer, but I have a primary job and I work from these this hours to this hour. So if you want me to show you houses, I'm free during this time. You know what right. I mean? So right. I don't want any surprises. They're like, oh, this. Agent is never have time for me. Nope. I set time specifically for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave you my schedule in the beginning. And I've had some people that be like, oh, hey, well, one of my, no, not one of my first client I got fired from. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, I told them my schedule and 
they said that they felt like I was nowhere available. I'm like, well, I, haven't I given you the time frame that I said I was free? It was like, yeah, but um, I'm like, so, and then I, you know, this year I got married. Of course. So Woo-hoo. they knew this because they were right, <laughs> <laughs> but they were they were also uh, a friend of mine. And so they knew all this. I, I got in front of all of this. I was like, before we even start, this is what I got going on. So, you know, uh, if you want me to be your agent, this is what, it's the time frames I got available. This is what I got going on. And I was like, even though if if we don't find a house by the time I get married, I'll set you up with another agent that can go and show you places while, you know, I'm right. occupied with this, you know, my marriage and, you know, getting my wedding, you know? Right. And, uh, it turns out it wasn't me. It was the client. Like they they weren't listening to me in certain circumstances. Like we'll say, okay, a house listed at two fifty five. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful house, and they approved for what's we'll say three hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they 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 were pretty well off and they had money put up. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, anything on a market wouldn't last more than a week. It was sold. Oh wow. So I'm like, I would like, we seen a house and I was like, this house is beautiful, right? They're like, yeah, I love it. I love it. We got to get it. I'm like, all right. So prior to this house, we seen some other houses that she liked. She didn't love, but she liked, but she seen that we have lost offers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because we're going in at asking and she wanted to go in on this house at 255 I was like if you go in at this we're not gonna get it at this time people were going 15 to 20 thousand dollars over wow and in real estate 255 what's say I say hey go 265 270 mm-hmm. that's literally probably like this is not uh real numbers but a guesstimation probably like 50 to 100 dollars different on your mortgage Oh month. wow! You know what I'm saying? It's not a big jump, right? So, right. so she's like, "Okay, I don't want to go into 55." So, what you want to go in at? Let's go 260. I'm like, "Oh my god, that's not <laughs> gonna do it!" And we lost so many offers. So when she fired me, I was kind. I was kind of relieved. I'm yeah. like, "Thank God," because this is a waste of time. We seen probably like 40, 50 houses. I was really exhausted. I'm like and she wasn't listening to me I'm like I know what I'm doing so you probably you probably should listen to me exactly God was so, like don't worry about it I got you I'm gonna handle this <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I've told other agents that the seasoned agents they was like yeah we've all been there we've all been fired from somebody and it was like yeah uh, as I was telling the story they was like yeah we've had our time wasted too yeah. so they understood and I, you know like I said that was my first client so I'm like Man, I was kind of discouraged at first. I'm like, man, I, what did I do right? Yeah. Like, it's not you. It wasn't you. So I, I, I felt kind of relieved after that. Yeah, because it makes you feel some type of way, especially with that being your first client. But then it's also a lesson learned in that too. Absolutely. It's also mm-hmm. a lesson learned. So you know how to deal with it and what to do, deal with it, you know, the next time. Like, okay, I dealt exactly. with it before. So I kind of mm-hmm. know the signs if it happens again. And that's crazy that you say that because my second client, I was kind of, I wasn't short with them, but I was, I was raw with them. Like, hey, look, if we, if we do this, we're going to lose. And if we're, if I'm your agent and you're not going to listen to me, it's no point in me being here. 
Yeah. And from then on, they listened to me and they got the house that they wanted. And they thanked me for it and everything. They were like, thank you for being direct with us. Because, you know, it it was a couple. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, me and my wife, uh, they're, you know, we got different opinions about stuff. And you being the, the neutral person and just giving us the real, it made it way easier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, thank you. Thank you. And that's good to hear because it goes to show I, you did a good job on that. And, you know, that's how you got to go in with it, with every client. That's how you're going to have to go in with it and let them know from jump. Like, look here. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. Real. For real, and you gotta, you got, you gotta be every agent. You gotta be your own agent. It's like what you make of it. You know, you gotta bring your own personality to it because people know when you're when you're being fake, and when they do, they like, well, you know, I don't want a yes person, especially when they're making a huge decision, as in purchasing a house. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you gotta be real. Uh, you gotta, you can't sugarcoat stuff. Like, listen, this could happen. Or, you know what I'm saying? You can't be like, oh, no, you know. Right. Because people play word of mouth. So if you do something that a certain client don't like, they're going to say stuff about you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got to give the real and tell the real when it happens. You know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, they your word is everything in real estate. So, yeah. Yeah. You know? So, most, of, most of the clients you get off of word of mouth. What, what type of advice would you give to the listeners to anybody like the listeners say they want to buy their first house what type of advice would you give to somebody that wants to do that uh get your credit to at least a 620 credit is everything you can't get anything without credit right okay and then get with a good um a good agent that knows multiple programs for uh closing assistance you know or down payment assistance, you know, mm-hmm. and um, what else? Oh, yeah, do not make any major purchases before you close on your house. And uh, yeah, just save your money, you know, and uh, just make sure that your agent is knowledgeable, you know, and if, you know, if you're dealing with a new agent, make sure they have a foundation behind them that they can get, get the answers that you need. Okay. You know, so you said once you said something in that don't make a major purchase before you close on a house absolutely because that can mess up a whole deal you know because uh it all depends on your debt to income ratio Mm -hmm. so you know if you make a major purchase your credit might take a hit and then your debt might increase and that might mess up your uh, ratio uh for obtaining the house, you know what I'm saying? They they want to make sure when lenders come at you, they they want to make sure that they can get their money back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Most people don't want to fail because when they when you fail, they lose money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Have you had anybody that did something like that or do you know of someone that did I, something like that? I've heard <laughs> stories, but that's the first thing. And also get pre-approved. Buy a lender, and if you don't have a lender, ask your um, real realtor, and they um, they, I'm sure they know several lenders because I have several lenders. Uh, make sure you're pre-approved, and don't waste your time and waste their time because if you're not pre-approved, and let's say, and when you do get pre-approved, and let's say you're pre-approved for two hundred thousand, don't go see a house that's three hundred thousand and waste your time and their time. Right. You know what I mean. Right. So, 
Yeah, know what you're approved for so you don't waste your time or their time. You know, everybody's time is valuable. Respect each other's time. And listen to what they got to say. They know what they're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. These listen to what they got to say. Because <laughs> if you knew it, you would do it. You would already be doing a, being a realtor. You know what I'm saying? So this is right. Like these agents, they know what they're talking about. They won't steer you wrong. They're doing this for a reason. They want to see you do good. So listen to them, people. Listen to them. <laughs> Man, can't stress that enough. Please, y'all. Please listen. <laughs> and if y'all looking for a house, y'all can hit up Timothy Heath. Um, I'm going to leave the information in the description after I get done. Um, do you mind if I put your number in there? Absolutely, no, no, I don't mind at all. Um, well, they can get my information, uh, Timothy the Realtor on Instagram, and you can just uh, click the link in bio. All my information will uh, pop up on all platforms. All right, and I'm telling y'all, he, he gonna find y'all a good house, so go ahead and get with him. I'm already working <laughs> on my credit, Tim, so uh, get ready. Hey, man, I'm waiting for you. I'm, I'm working on mass, and yeah, I don't care we friends, but yeah, be hard on me. Like I got you. I wouldn't, <laughs> hey, wouldn't have any other way. Be hard yeah. on me. We we deal with it after we celebrate the closing and stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> but I want to thank you for joining me. I know you gotta go to work, so I want to thank you for joining me and thank. Thanks you for, for having me. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Um, we definitely gonna do this again. Absolutely. We definitely gonna do this again. I really appreciate it. Um, you be safe tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe and yeah, that's all we get <laughs> for tonight. We we had you talk about being a detective and a realtor, so that's what's up. All right. So on that note, everybody, we about to end this and we out. Peace. Have a good night.